Welcome to episode 23 of Lessons Via Leaders, a show where we bring you a new entrepreneur, founder, or thought leader each and every week. I'm so happy to have you join us today. How can I help? A simple tweet that Miami Mayor Francis Suarez sent out on December 4th, which has since gone viral, has put Miami into the spotlight on a global stage as one of the top emerging tech hubs in the world. Since that time, Mayor Suarez has been on fire tweeting non-stop to talk about what makes his city the best place for entrepreneurs and tech companies alike. I was very grateful for the mayor who invited me to City Hall, where we sat down in his office to talk about everything that has transpired since he sent that tweet, and how he is turning this moment into a movement, and how he is building on all the momentum that he has experienced over the last few weeks. I'm really excited to share this episode with you, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Mayor Suarez, welcome to Lessons Via Leaders. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This feels like one of these uh, cafecito tech talks that we've been hosting. Yeah, here. man, I've been seeing you doing your thing. It's just, it's been remarkable. It was the last 30 days have probably been a whirlwind for you, right? They have. And, and uh, you know, although my team, which is an amazing team, does most of my uh, social media most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, this last 30 day period has been a lot of, of me getting involved and engaging directly, which, to be honest, is, is not something that I planned. It's not mm-hmm. something that... Uh, it's all happened sort of organically, and the response has been overwhelming. I mean, uh, the, the back-end analytics that Adi sends me uh, every day, uh, our last 28 days, uh, our high point on 28 days was t- 2.7 million, I'm sorry, 27 million impressions. Wow. Our biggest tweet was about 2.4 million. That was the How Can I Help tweet. That was right? the How Can I Help tweet. And Maybe. then uh, we had a few that were close to 2 million. And then, uh, you know, it's it's just been a whirlwind. It really has been, but it, it's been exciting. And I think the reason why it's happened is because you know, people are just not accustomed to hearing a public f- official say, how can I help? Right. And uh, and I think that uh, it's a big lesson for all of us. It's crazy that we've gotten to the point where a simple tweet, I mean, that was probably a spontaneous tweet, right? Can you take us through like the moment where you're just going through Twitter and you're like, okay, just respond. I was in my bedroom. I think it was a Thursday. I'm not even sure what day it was now. Yeah. Um, and I, it was sort of like end of the evening. Mm-hmm. And I just see a tweet come, come across my dashboard that says, you know, what if we brought Silicon Valley to Miami? And, you know, this project of, of making Miami, a, a, you know, growing the Miami tech ecosystem is, is a 10-year is is a project plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a yesterday project. This is something that's been going on for a long time. And I just simply answered it in the way that I would answer pretty much any constituent, um, whether there's somebody wealthy, poor, whether there's somebody that's from Miami, not from Miami. I mean, that's that sort of which I found out to be, it was the VC calling card as well. Yes. And that's I didn't like even the know, typical statement. How and, can I help? And I yeah. didn't even know that. I yeah. mean, for me, it was really more the typical, what should be the typical political statement, which is like, hey, how can I help you? My job is to help people. 100%. So um, when I did that, and, and it, it just took off. And I had no idea that it would take off in the way that it did. And I, I think what it was, was, you know, people often ask me, what is, where, where is Miami Sand Hill Road? Mm. And my answer is, it's Twitter. Mm. Right. And, and, and what it what it did was it, it, it was like if I went to a beehive and shook a beehive and was, so all the bees started coming out. So this all was the pe- pent up. Yeah. It was pent up. Yeah. Uh, all the people who had already moved to Miami started coming out. Uh, people who were thinking of moving to Miami and people who were not previously thinking of moving to Miami, but felt so embraced by 
you know, the, the fact that I followed them or, or whatever the case may be that I interacted with them, mm-hmm. that they were like, hey, this is what we need to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's refreshing to see a politician engaging. And I often tell people a bit a big proponent about what you're doing. Very excited about it. I'm a born and raised Miami and a Love lot that. of passion for this city. Me too, by the way. Um, and you are effectively they think well, Mayor Torres is really active, active on Twitter. He's talking a lot. You're just listening a lot. Yeah. I see that's what you're doing is you're retweeting a lot of people, just giving them the opportunity to amplify what they're already doing. All these different initiatives from the Knight Foundation and everybody else that's been building this for years, you are helping amplify what's been going on and I really respect that. So thank you for doing that. And that's really the point. The yeah. point is, is, is how can I help? I mean, right. What can I do as a one person and one individual yeah. to try to move the ball forward? And the truth is that, again, I never thought at, on that day that I would spend the next you know 20 plus days tweeting almost nonstop. Yeah. Um, it's to the point where I have like Twitter anxiety, you know, like yeah. if I'm, I'm in a, a lunch or a meeting, I'm like, okay, well, how far behind am I? <laughs> and there were days where I couldn't get to the top of my feed. Yeah. That was, that in and of itself was an accomplishment. For sure. And I tweeted till two 30 in the morning, you know, one day I had people, you know, from Tokyo saying like, Hey, we're here watching this. It was like, a, Amazing. it was almost like a spectator sport. It was, <laughs> it, was awesome. it was, it was funny. And, and I, I never would have thought ever that me basically following somebody would motivate them uh, so much to move to Miami or to say that they were moving to Miami. So I think th- th- it w- it's been a huge lesson for me too. That's amazing. And you've been saying on Twitter that this moment is turning into a movement, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and why do you think people are so passionate about Miami right now? You know, my job is to convert the moment into a movement. Right. And I think uh, we're lucky because we have a lot of great ambassadors, uh, either people who are from the Miami tech community for many, many years yep. or people who are new who are now telling what I call the Miami story. Mm -hmm. So when people often ask me, how can I help you? My answer is, please tell your Miami story and tell it as loudly as possible. When you talk about amplification, which Mm -hmm. is absolutely correct, uh, I've been blessed now to be in a place where I can amplify the message, right? Uh, I started off this month with 32,000 Twitter followers. I ended with 52,000. So, you know, the the reach and the ability and the the impressions, like you're saying, 27 million impressions, all organic, Mm -hmm. that allows the story to be amplified, but I, I, I need people to continue to tell the story because the media, like everything else in life, and there's nothing wrong with that, they have a short attention span and they will go to the next story. But I want to stay on this story. This is our story, right? And this is a story that will influence not only our generation, but it's going to influence our children and their destinies. And it's going to influence our unborn grandchildren or their unborn grandchildren. And so the story of Miami, the future story is yet to be written. Yep. And if we, we can allow other people to write it for us, we can uh, be sort of passive participants in that story. Um, but I've chosen very early on in my life to be an active participant in the story and writing the story. And I'm just very blessed to have so many people that are helping me tell that story. And I need them to. I love that. I love that mentality. And I, I get chills just thinking about all the things that we are hopefully doing for future generations here in Miami. Um, you mentioned it like on a related note. Uh, there's a lot of new folks coming into town. There's a lot of people that have been here for the past decade or so trying to build yeah. uh, this tech community. You know, Matt Hagman's of the yeah. world, Raul Most from the Knight Foundation, Great the people. Medinas, yep. Brian and Maria from Refresh. This Absolutely. has been a lot of work over the past decade. How do we ensure that all of these new people that are coming into Miami could also integrate with the people that are already here and make this as successful as possible? Yeah, and that's part of my job. Yep. You know, and it's not an easy job sometimes. One of the things that I want to make sure is that we are as welcoming mm. uh, to them as other cities were unwelcoming to them. The reason why we have an opportunity with people who are creating, you know, uh, you know, making dreams into reality, VC funds, engineers, mm-hmm. the reason why this moment is happening, we have to be very conscientious of that. 
is because other uh, other governments and other people didn't want them there. And so they're they're fleeing to and it's no, not too dissimilar from the story of how we left Cuba. You know, what I mean they're fleeing from a place that didn't want them, mm-hmm. that didn't want the you know that productive class to a place that does want them. And, and we have to make sure that we send that message. Now having said that, you know, they also have a responsibility, right? I think their responsibility is to learn from the reputational stuff that was happening in tech, whether it's true or false or whatever, whether it's a, a false narrative, even if it is a false narrative, mm-hmm. we live in a world where, where perception is reality. So you have to, you have to learn from that. You have to integrate all my conversations with people in tech have been, whether they're new or old, have been around inclusivity, have been around equity. And so I think that sort of rising tides lift all boats. Uh, so the more people that come that are creative, that are intellectual, the more intellectual capital we have, the more real capital we have, that's just going to benefit everybody. And of course, we have to make sure that, and that's my job as mayor in, con- in collaboration with a lot of other organizations, that every child in Miami has an opportunity to enjoy that success. And that is, that's part of the dream. Awesome. Awesome. Integration is a big key, right? Yeah. Um, schooling seems to be another major topic that a lot of people are asking about. They come to Miami. They're obviously moving with their families. Where are the good public schools? I know that's another topic you're very passionate about. What are we doing or thinking about doing that could help uh, us with the public school system or the school system in general, putting things like computer science in the curriculum and that kind of thing? So many things. Yeah. Um, first, I think we need to tell our story about our educational system better than we've, what we've been telling it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and, and I'll give you an example. When, when this began, I created right away uh, a mayor's uh, a tech work group, working right. group. With you know, with a variety of different educational institutions, yeah. as well as all of, all the of, many of the people that you've mentioned, you know, the Beacon uh, with Matt and, and Endeavor, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, 500 startups, Refresh, etc. And you know, the, the the idea was first we need to tell a better story. I, I remember Saifi Shu from FIU yeah. saying, "Hey, do you know or do do is it known?" that we graduate more Hispanic and African-American engineers than anywhere in the country. Amazing. And the answer was, nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. And you know what I saw just two days ago? I saw Keith Raboyce tweeting that. So that message that I, that I took from them, which was, which was new data, mm-hmm. new information, which was really always there, yep. um, and, and put it out there, it, it, it became viral. So uh, to, to the amplification point. Mm-hmm. But I think the first thing is we have to tell our story better. And the second thing is we have to be honest with ourselves when we reassess ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. Definitely. This is not about patting each, our, each other on the back. Yep. It's great that we're doing the great things that we're doing, but you know, to make a city that really provides opportunity for all of our children and to be on the vanguard of the economy of tomorrow, we need to be honest about where we're at. Yep. And I think one of the things that was refreshing from particularly some of the, uh, the new incoming president from uh, MDC mm-hmm. was a, a real understanding that, hey, we do have some work to do. You know what I mean? Uh, sure, uh, we... Uh, uh, have this great graduation rate for, for African-American and for Hispanic engineers. But hey, what are our deficiencies? And then I want to work with the school board, like you said, to make sure coding is a second language, to make sure that, you know, that computer science and computer engineering is something that's taught at a very young age. And then, uh, you know, I think the other thing is we have to do, we do, I also have to reach out to the Stanfords, to the Harvards, to the MITs, and I have to invite them over too and say, hey, Look, we have now this virtuality of our world mm-hmm. where you can be in our backyard, if you will, and, and you can teach your level of excellence without having to even make a huge capital investment. So I think, you know, from my perspective, we have to be comprehensive. We cannot leave any stone unturned. Uh, I, I will say this. One of the things I did learn in all my conversations with founders and VCs is that 
you'd be surprised how they're not always looking for that quote unquote top tier talent, right? That top tier talent can be expensive. That right. top tier talent can be sort of uh, um, high maintenance, yep. sort of difficult to deal with. Oftentimes what they're looking for is, is what some would consider second tier talent. Yep. They don't consider it second tier right. talent. Uh, it's less expensive. Those people are hungrier. Maybe the reason why they didn't go to those Ivy League caliber schools is something that was out of their control. They didn't have the ability to pay for it yep. or they had to take, you know, they're just uh, life issues. And so I found that to be very, very enlightening because I didn't, I didn't expect to hear that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to that point, when I was running my prior company, a company called Live Ninja, we sold it a few years back. Uh, we hired quote unquote junior engineers out of WinCode in yeah. Winwood, right? I know you know Yuha and Joe, yeah. shout out to them. They're, They're amazing shout people, yeah. really great people doing amazing things for the community. And I have to say, the quality of the engineers that came out of WinCode outworked some of these senior devs there that came go. from some of the best areas of the country and the best schools of the country. So there you go. And it goes back to that Miami kind of work ethic that we have here in the, in the community. We're very, we have a great work ethic. We're very yep. entrepreneurial. Very. Yep. And I think the other thing is we've, and we've been working on this for a while, uh, scaling up, right? Yep. Um, with, with Endeavor and with 500 startups and with a variety of other uh, organizations, there's a part of our ethos I think, and it's, I don't have, this is not sort of, uh, this is more anecdotal, not, yeah. not so much uh, uh, empirical, but I, I think there's a part of our ethos that has always sort of stayed away from scaling. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason why is because, A, oftentimes to scale, you have to sort of take a step backwards to go forward. You have to sort of take less money or something like that. And then I think B is uh, we have a lot of family businesses and people are very happy with their family businesses are making good money. They don't necessarily see the need to make more money per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that that's something that's part of who we are, but but I also think that that's changing a bit, and I think that uh, it's exciting because what 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 allows what tech companies are doing, and this is also another misperception. We we look at tech as an industry, right. but the reality is that they're a sub industry to every industry. Absolutely, right? they're they're making every industry better. They're making every every industry more efficient. Just the fact that we're able to have this conversation, you creating a podcast, we're able to have this out. Uh, virtually and 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 you know and you're able to come here and Absolutely. everything is just so much more um, accessible. Yep. Uh, and content is really driving all of this. And 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 the beauty of it is that it's not just the four or five television stations that you were accustomed to, or the three or four channels. Now you can get all kinds of content to really enrich your life. It goes back to everybody can now tell our story the way we want to tell it. Right? Absolutely. So As opposed to the way they want to tell it about you. A hundred percent. I want to uh, kind of move to. Uh, the topic of non-competes, because we keep hearing yep. about that, right? A lot of people say they want to relocate their business here, yep. but one of the things that are, is a potential blocker is the fact that in California they ban non-competes, Florida uh, is something where it enforces. You mentioned on Twitter it's something you would look at at the state level or talk to state legislative about. Can you talk a little about that and yeah. your thoughts on it? So I, I am yep. uh, looking at it. Yep. One of the things we want to look at is what is the best practice? Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think in some of the conversations that I had, I had a really cool conversation with John Oranger, yep. uh, where we talked about it in, in a Facebook Live. Um, I, I think uh, maybe there is, and again, I haven't kind of gone through the whole analysis. It's something that for sure I want to take a deep, deep dive into. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want Miami or Florida to be losing because they're not competitive, particularly on laws, of course. right? So we're looking at Wyoming's crypto laws, right? Right? Like, why should we be at a disadvantage from Wyoming based Absolutely. on crypto laws? So we're, we're looking at that. We're looking at the non-competes. We want to be fair. We want to have good policy. Yep. So we want to do something that, in, that frees up em employees as much as possible, but protects like intellectual property, yep. things like that. Because people do also 
you know, particularly in smaller businesses, you know, you, 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 you create so much intellectual property, there's so much um, that's shared with employees. And so we want to be really, really thoughtful about it. Um, I don't know where we're, we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And certainly, obviously, at the end of the day, it's not really completely under my control. Right. But um, but it's part of the process. So I want people to help me, by the way, because one of the things I've learned in, in asking for how can I help is I need help, too. It's awesome. I'm overwhelmed. You know, my DMs, uh, we're doing the best we can to keep uh, up with our DMs. Yep. Uh, but it's been overwhelming, which is incredible, the response. Yeah. But, but that's uh, refreshing that you're self-aware to ask for that help. Not a lot of politicians aren't in that spot, you know? So, you know, I think a lot of people would have just said, hey, you know, I'm getting a flood of DMs. Like, it is what it is. Right. You know, just ignore them. And, right. And my view is in those DMs, there are ideas. Mm-hmm. In those DMs, there are people who may be looking for connections that we can make. Yep. In those DMs, there's a, there could be so much treasure in that. And I just couldn't let it go. Like, I just felt Love like I, I worked so hard, you know, to get to this moment. And I just didn't want to let it go because I just thought that there, and, and I know I'm, I'm positive, that there's so much there in terms of these podcasts. Yep. You know a variety of different ways that we can be uh, communicating i love that i love that you mentioned blockchain right obviously crypto's having a big month right it's exciting huge i, I know that you know you had pomp here the other day he yeah. announced that he's going to come to miami and spend some time with us yeah. and then even uh you know possibly move here down yeah. the line he's looking into it you were a, a supporter of the blockchain center you helped yeah. open up that project yeah. um what are your thoughts in general i've seen you on twitter being just more open to yeah. be, making miami a very crypto blockchain friendly city Talk about a little bit about yeah. your thoughts on that, please. I, I'm also on the, uh, 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 I think it's the uh, blockchain uh, task force, yep. which is uh, the, the state uh, task force. I was appointed by Jimmy uh, Patronus, who's the CFO. Uh, I, I just, I, I believe in the the mathematics of it. I believe yeah. in, in in the concept of it. So, you know, I understand that it it still is not demystified for the general public. And I think that there are probably some people who, um, you know, who understandably have some concerns about, about some things. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there are things that we can do, for example, this year. This year, one of the things I'd like to explore is the ability of being able to process some payments. Yep. Right? And, and do it in a way that doesn't uh, have any risk to the city. Like, for example, have a third party who takes the quote-unquote currency risk, if you right. will. Right? Where somebody makes a payment in Bitcoin of their whatever it is that they're making to the city. That the, the person who takes the Bitcoin, converts it to cash, they take the currency risk and they give us cash, which is no different than actually getting cash. Right, right, right? But, sure. But, it, it, but I think... To your point, and to and to uh, Pomp's point, you know, I think it sends a message, and the message is we want to be on the vanguard of technology, of being, um, you know, a, a tech friendly and an easy government to work with. I was just at a lunch today, where the person I was having lunch with was saying people don't understand, they don't fully um, quantify the cost that government uh, creates right on 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 the ability for people to to be successful mm. and that's something that i've has always been very mindful of i came from the private sector obviously you know one of the first things i wanted to do here in miami was create e-permit e-plans which was a, a you know electronic plans and permitting system to be able to get our permits out faster so people can get to work yeah now we have something called e-start which is we want to be able to start a business in miami directly from your phone directly from your computer eventually my idea has sort of metamorphosized into making basically an e City Hall, which is where you never have to go into a government building. That's amazing. uh, To do anything related to government, essentially. And that's something that I'm working on as well. I love that. I feel the energy that Miami is just trying to be one of the most innovative cities in in the country. And blockchain and crypto, 
we have such an incredible scene of entrepreneurs in that space here. A lot of amazing entrepreneurs building yep. here. So yep. I love it. All right. I know you, you're strapped for time. So I'm going to end with a quick rapid fire session. I'm going to just shoot off some, some questions right, let's and go, then let's go. right off the cuff. All right. You're big on these cafecito chats, right? Yes. Preferred style of Cuban coffee. Colada, cortadito. What's, colada, what's your for sure. Colada. 100%. All right. All right. Favorite my the, yeah. the caveat that I have not drank coffee in a year and a half. Really? Yes. So you're doing these cafecito chats. You're just being a good host, basically. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I not, love not that. Not coffee, and that's a long uh, discussion for another day. Okay, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Favorite Miami sports team. Dolphins, Heat, Canes. Why are you going to do that? That's just wrong. That's an out-of-bounds question. Next all question. of them. All of them. All right. Favorite Miami sports moment. Like what, like all these years? Favorite? I'm going to give you a few. Yeah, give me it. Uh, Dan, this is going to go back to 1985. Dan Marino beating the Chicago Bears uh -huh. in 1985 when they were undefeated mm. in the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, all the wide rights from the University of Miami in the big. Orange Bowl. Yep. Um, the Miami Heat. Uh, first championship. Their, their first, second. But when they came together, the big three, that, that moment. Huge. with I know that people criticize sometimes like, the, the, the event one, that they two, had not, no. right but I gave them the key I was able to give them the key to say so it was a Miami moment but it was also you know when, when they inaugurated in 1988 my dad was a mayor um you know, obviously having the Marlins win the championship. So, Amazing. You know, there's just so many great moments in, in, in Miami. Yeah, definitely a lot of good sports moments here. Uh, favorite aspect of being the mayor? Helping people. Yep. It really is. It's, it's getting up every morning with energy the dynamic nature of our uh, of my life mm -hmm. and i think the people don't really understand that this is a this is a big corporation we're running a i'm running a billion dollar company a billion dollars in annual spending power mm -hmm. right with 4500 employees and four labor unions so there's a and it's an international city so anything that happens in other parts of the country or the world affect miami and i have to be ready and prepared to be an ambassador uh, to other parts of the world. So that, that it's exciting. Okay. Awesome. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. Mayor, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to chat with you? Listen, uh, first of all, my cell phone, 305-992-3342. That's incredible. It's still, yeah. it's crazy that you give out your cell phone it's number. I absolutely one. love it. It's always it. been the same one. Yeah. And uh, by the way, people are, are, are surprisingly very respectful. And then, uh, you know, DMs, you know, you can DM me, you can uh, on, on Instagram and Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is at Francis Suarez. Last yep. time I checked and yep. at, Miami mayor as well. I think I have one there. She's looking for it there. Yep. And then I think my Instagram is at mayor of Miami. Um, so I remember that. Yep. And we're doing well. You know, we're, we're uh, like you said, we're amplifying our voice, which gives us a platform to be able to tell our story the way we want to tell it, not the way someone else wants to tell it. And I think that's important. I want to keep telling this Miami story. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for being here. We'll drop all of the mayor's contact information in the show notes. And again, thank you so much, Mayor, for having us.